What are some suggestions that you have that we can do to be able to bring forth justice to those Hunter Bidens, Christopher Rays, to the James Comeys, to the Epsteins? The corruption is so massive and so great. There has to be something to, that we could do. We have to be realistic. Nothing's going to happen until you have a new executive leadership and a new president and a new attorney general who's actually committed to the rule of law. Hi, I'm Merrick Garland, U.S. Attorney General, and I spend my time propping up a Manchurian candidate who rigged the election, and anyone who protests our rigged elections, I put them in prison and charge them with insurrection. Welcome to my new America where no one is above the law, except Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, everyone on the Jeff Epstein client list, pretty much any Democrats, thugs and violent criminals, pedophiles, election riggers, illegal aliens, people who blow up natural gas pipelines and start international wars. She's going to be drafted. She's not going to run for president. She's going to be drafted for president. Uh, and the party will turn to her and she will reluctantly uh, agree. President Trump said that Iran will have a nuclear weapon within 60 days. Um, he spoke about Christopher Ray. that the verdict is still not out with Christopher Ray about how he feels about Christopher Ray. Uh, Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, uh, alerted the Iranians to the timing uh, and, the, and the location of these airstrikes in advance so the Iranians could move their key personnel, both the military and intelligence, out of harm's way. He's just standing there menacingly. I'd like to welcome everybody to a brand new episode of The Adam King Show. It has been quite some time since we have done an episode. We've been on the road. We've been on podcast after podcast. Uh, gosh, there's been something like 11 or 12 podcasts. And uh, now I know how some of my guests feel. But in the meantime, while I've been on the road, I started thinking about the show and different structures to the show and we actually onboarded some new uh, uh, people to the show, which will be rolling out in the next few months, and, and uh, back-end staff. It's been a really uh, great time for the show. The show's been expanding. But in my opening monologues, I have been wanting to do something a little bit different, and it got me thinking about things, and I said to myself, what is The Adam King Show about? And... I get a lot of emails from people, you know, some of them like me, some of them don't like me. And I thought that I would give a little bit of a moment in my monologue to explain why I started my show. My show started because of a need and a vacuum of leadership in America and my feeling that I needed to do more for this movement, for freedom, for God, most of all, for myself, for my family. And it started as a quest in leadership. Now, in the last week, we saw this really exemplified in James O'Keefe's uh, uh, expose that took place on um, the White House security advisor, uh, chief of cybersecurity. Uh, and I most saw this on James O'Keefe's uh, spaces he did right after the bust was made. And he told every single person, he said, if you're out there, 
You just saw me. All I did was dye my hair, pretended to be gay, and busted the chief cybersecurity expert at the White House as James O'Keefe playing pretty much himself. And he said, nobody has an excuse to not do anything. And I felt that when I started The Adam King Show. And that's what brought me here today. And that's what brings me to do what I am going to do. That's why we see people like Tucker Carlson going off uh, to Putin uh, to interview Putin. That's why we see people like Owen Schroyer bravely accepting a jail sentence for the sake of his leadership. I started this show because of leadership and because of my desire for uh, free speech in America. Now, I understand this comes with certain points. I have to be able to take tough questions. I have to be able to show up for the fight. I have to be able to walk away when necessary. And I have to be able to not back down when necessary. Pirkei Avot in the Mishnah says, when there is no man present, you must stand up and be a man. Well, I'm doing just that. So moving forward past the reasons for creating the Adam King Show, we need to find a way to calm the world down. Part of that process is the search for our own leaders. Now, these leaders exemplify great experiences, and they can help guide us the way to our mutual destinations. One can have different leaders for different things. Now, this concept of a leader is different from a concept of an elevated public f servant who is here to facilitate solutions for our common good. These people are the public servants. And we can only hope that our public servants exemplify leadership qualities as we spoke of above. Now, we need to search for somebody who can lead our government we need to search for somebody who could get us out of the tough situation that we're in and lead us to common solutions, like something so basic like the border. We all have to be so committed to the common good that we ensure that people make it through to our process. The election must happen. Joining me today to discuss everything related to the 45th president of the United States of America one of his closest friends, companions, and greatest allies, both famous and infamous, the one and only Roger Stone. Roger, welcome to the Adam King Show today, and thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm still very grateful to you uh, because uh, in the period immediately after uh, I was pardoned, when President Trump realized that I had been the target of a political, uh, politically motivated indictment. I'd actually done nothing wrong, but they sought to pressure me to testify falsely against him. As you know, uh, my wife was diagnosed with extremely aggressive stage four cancer. Uh, I was completely uh, ignorant uh, in that time period about the efficacy uh, of certain THC-based therapies for cancer. Uh, you not only educated me, but you helped me get the right products uh, today, I'm happy to say through the healing power of God Almighty, my wife is two and a half years cancer free. Um, you played a crucial role in all that, for which I will always be grateful. You are truly a mensch. Thank you, Roger. That's very kind of you to say. And I feel the same to you. And, you know, my adoration for you 
as a friend is something that grew post my adoration for you as a leader. As I said in my opening monologue, in that quest for the leaders who can help guide us out of the situation that we find our country in today, uh, my quest to you originally was the gravitational pull of a leader in society. Uh, it is really through the strength of leaders to be able to recognize people, to help them in their process. And so much of the Adam King show is, is uh, attributed to your patronage and, and your, 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 um, you've exemplified your leadership in the, in the world of the uh, political elites and in my own personal life. So I wanna thank you for that. And it's with that leadership role that I wanna focus my interview with you today because there's so much happening um, in the world, and um, especially in regards to the up-and-coming 2024 election with President Donald Trump. Obviously, President Donald Trump is the Republican nominee. Um, the fact that people are staying in the race this long actually causes me great worry and alarm, as if there's some sort of nefarious thing that people are... Um, um, intending. I don't know if you saw on uh, Bill Maher, uh, Governor uh, Sonnenbaum, uh, with his adamant response, no, it will be Nikki Haley. That really kind of freaked me out. I was wondering if I could get some of your responses on that with Nikki Haley as to why people might want to delay the election or come up with a nefarious way to eliminate Donald Trump from the ballot. Well, first of all, let me say that uh, in the 45 years that I've known Donald Trump, and certainly in the period in which he elected to get into American politics, he's actually never been stronger than he is at this exact second. Mm. Uh, I think there's a number of reasons for this. First of all, it doesn't take much for people to measure the results of the impact of his policies with what we're experiencing today and see the stark difference. So maybe you don't like his personality, maybe you don't like his tweets, maybe you don't like his brash or blunt nature, maybe you don't like his New York style, but how was inflation when he was president? How was your business doing when he was president? Right. How plentiful were groceries when you went to the grocery store during his presidency? Were we engaged in any new foreign wars when he was president? No, in fact, he successfully brought American troops home from the Middle East without having the countries they were serving in collapse uh, behind them. Uh, he, he was a uh, the only president uh, in recent history to start no new wards. And I think he is uh, ultimately a peacemaker. He's the peace candidate. I think he's the only candidate who can certainly resolve the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And I think he could probably also resolve the conflict in the Middle East. Let's be very clear. Under President Donald Trump, he had his foot on the throats of the Iranians. They were broke. They couldn't sell their oil anyplace because of his embargo. They didn't have any funding for Hamas or Hezbollah or these other Islamic terrorist groups. It is only the reversal of all of his policies by Joe Biden uh, that has given these terrorist groups uh, the wherewithal uh, to attack Israel. So. Uh, I, I think that um, Nikki Haley uh, is, uh, there's only two possibilities here. One is that she's remaining in the race long past the time period that she has any realistic shot to be nominated because she wants to damage Donald Trump on behalf of Joe Biden and the uniparty combine, or the misguided view that if she hangs around long enough and harasses Trump, that Trump will ultimately 
uh, give her a position uh, on the ticket as vice president, in which case I've said, well, if that were to be the case, Trump would need a food taster because she's completely and totally duplicitous. Mm. Uh, and their worldview is so completely different. Uh, you want an example? I'll give you one. Uh, the Senate today unveiled a bipartisan uh, open borders uh, policy. Right. They call it border security bill, but it's really an open borders bill in which we would basically codify that 5,000 illegals can come into the country per day. That's right. 155,000 per month. That's 1.8 million per year, right. uh, which means that if Trump were to be president and this were to be the law, he would be required to take 2 million illegals a year, as opposed to the number we had when he was president, which was damn close to zero. Right. If you go back and look, illegal crossings had trickled down to almost nothing. We don't need any new laws. We only need to enforce the laws that are already on the books. Nikki Haley today endorsed the Senate proposal, which means she's just endorsed an open borders policy. This is suicidal in the Republican primary. I actually think it's suicidal now among all voters. So you have to wonder what is what is her strategy here? It is one of those two things. She is uh, either a pawn, a puppet, uh, being used by the Uniparty to try to damage Donald Trump. I actually think she's a convenient foil for him. Uh, just a week or so ago, there was a resolution uh, within the Republican National Committee to essentially declare him the de facto nominee with an eye towards uh, canceling the future primaries and caucuses. And he said, no, the process needs to play out. I want this decided at the ballot box, which was very true on his on his part. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure why she continues to hang on. It's one of those two things. As far as her being on the ticket, I think there is zero prospect that that's going to happen for two reasons. One, uh, it's a character issue. She looked Donald Trump in the eye and she told him, yeah, you are among our greatest presidents. If you run, I won't run. Well, he's running. And so she, so she violated her word. And then secondarily, her worldview. I mean, I'm an anti-interventionist. I'm not an isolationist. I realize there are some bad people in the world who need to be dealt with, but I don't think we should be going around the world looking for trouble, looking for foreign wars in which our inherent national interests are not clear. Right. So her worldview is so antithetical to Trump's. Uh, she's a taxer and a spender. Uh, on t so her domestic views are quite different than Trump's. She's not going to be on the ticket. Uh, this nomination uh, contest is essentially over. Uh, but what's interesting is the incredible strength that he's showing for the general election. Uh, I mean, he is bucking a, a combine that basically had a vice grip control on all information in our society during the last presidential election. So if you had a view on any subject, that was contrary to the acceptive narrative of the federal government, then you would basically be crushed. You'd be canceled. You'd be censored. You'd be vilified. You might even get yourself indicted. Who knows? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the tremendous or 91 felonies, uh, fake 91 felonies, fake felonies. So uh, the, the developments uh, at Twitter now known as mm -hmm. X are really world changing in the right. sense. I agree. It gives you a window into the kind of censorship that took place on that platform right. where the government was working hand in hand with Twitter executives to silence people like me. 
uh, and you have to now recognize the same thing is happening even today at Facebook uh, and at Instagram uh, and in all these other uh, popular uh, social media locations. Uh, the the power structure, the 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 permanent order, the uniparty, they're in a panic. Because everything they're throwing at Trump is not working. The the fake indictments, the right. indictment over documents, and Nikki the, Haley, uh, the documents case, the uh, the January sixth case, the Fulton County case, these New York civil mm. and criminal cases, they aren't having their desired effect. And right. if anything, they're turbocharging Trump's candidacy. They're getting people to see beyond the veil and realize that they're all politically motivated in an effort to damage him because he's the leading candidate for president. And uh, I think it's getting him votes, not losing him votes. It's certainly raising him more money. And I think it is building intensity into his level of support as well as getting him new votes. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, you covered so many points in that topic that we're going to discuss on the show. I, I, uh, some of the questions that I have for you are about them. Uh, some of the points. So we'll go back and forth between some of the things that you brought up uh, just now. Uh, but it has galvanized a tremendous amount of support for Donald Trump, even in places where he has either lost support in the past or never had support in the past, such as people like Michael Rapoport, such as people like Snoop Dogg, such as people like uh, 50 Cent in the black community. And he's trending in places where he hasn't uh, trended before. He always trended very high in the black community, even before he ran for president. But now more than ever, the black com community... Um, has come out tremendously for uh, DJT. Uh, and even the rapper Snoop Dogg shot him in the head in a video. And now he's coming out and saying he has only love for Donald Trump. OK, well, we'll take this love while we save our country. Um, but over the weekend, uh, the president gave an interview with uh, Maria Bartiromo um, and covered so many different topics in such a condensed period of time. First of all, I don't think it was such a, uh, a, 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 a underhanded pitch interview. She was definitely very hot with the president, which shows the nature of Fox News as they view President Trump. Um, it was obviously Maria because she has kind of like this leadership role over there with being uh, the bridge between the two of them. They've served uh, interviews together in the past and and Having her do that interview uh, definitely showed the American people that Fox News is not so favorable. But in that interview, several things got brought up. I'd like your comments. Um, President Trump said that Iran will have a nuclear weapon within 60 days. Um, he spoke about Christopher Ray. that the verdict is still not out with Christopher Ray about how he feels about Christopher Ray. Um, he spoke about a bunch of different things. Those two issues, I think, stand out. I also, after that, want to ask you another question about um, his his pick for VP choices. And uh, but but first, if you could address the first two about what do you think about uh, first of all that uh, obviously said before that Iran didn't have all this money, but the president did tell us that in that interview that within sixty days Iran can have a nuclear missile, which could greatly change the entire geopolitical landscape of earth uh and then second what do you what are your thoughts about how he feels about christopher way and what are your thoughts about christopher ray uh well let's start with uh, with iran i mean uh killing the iranian arms deal 
uh, was one of the greatest single achievements of the Trump presidency. This was a done deal. Uh, we not only gave them the money that was specified in the agreement, we also sent them pallets of cash. It was kind of a side deal. I assume that right. money was actually stolen. $1.7 billion airlifted by Obama. Uh, and why we would trust the Iranians who say, oh, don't worry, we're not going to use this money to develop nuclear weapons, I have no idea. They have no track record that would deem them to be trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they subscribe to an ideology in which peace is not possible because they insist on the destruction of anyone who doesn't agree with them, including both America and Israel. So the idea of a negotiated settlement or negotiating anything with them, for that matter, is unthinkable. Trump understood the existential threat they are to humanity, which is why he, uh, over, I'm sure, the objections of the entire foreign policy bureaucracy of his own administration, spiked uh, the Iranian arms deal. Uh, immediately, uh, well, first of all, former Secretary uh, of State, uh, uh, the lunatic who ran for president, uh, John Kerry, right. was conducting his own foreign policy during the Trump years. That's a violation of the Logan Act, for which Absolutely. he should have Of course, he is in charge, because we have a two-tiered justice system. Uh, but then, secondarily, Trump was, uh, and I think probably still is, uh, the recipient of briefings that would tell him exactly where the Iranians were at the time he left office. Uh, and now they clearly have the cash to finish their program. So yeah. um, I, would, I would tend to believe the president knows more about this. cash certainly. and the distraction with the Houthis in Yemen, with the situation in Gaza, you know, it's focused away from Iran and they have like this kind of cover fire to do whatever they want behind the scenes while the media attention is absorbed into Israel. Well, and as I reported on my WABC radio show, uh, two different very good sources of mine tell me that prior to the strikes in Iraq and Syria, uh, that that uh, Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, uh, alerted the Iranians to the timing uh, and the and the location of these airstrikes in advance, so the Iranians could move their key personnel, both uh, military and intelligence, out of harm's way. And that he lacked this information through uh, through Qatar. Now, if I heard that from one source, and I did hear it from a source of mine in Israel, it's a very good source. I would say, well, that may be true. But I heard the exact same thing from a former U.S. senator who's a friend of mine, uh, who's in touch with uh, with the resistance uh, in Iran. Uh, he also heard the same exact report. Therefore, I believe it to be true. Uh, Joe Biden's playing this extraordinarily dangerous double game where he pretends to be an ally of Israel, uh, yet he's funding the attack on Israel. I don't know how much clearer this could be, uh, that he's on both sides of this war. Terrific piece in the New York Post this weekend about him calling uh, Netanyahu names because this whole thing has gotten in the way, in his mind, to his re-election. But it is is abundantly clear that, uh, that a nuclear Iran really is a, a danger because unlike the Germans or the Japanese, let's say, or even the Russians, uh, they have no they have no qualms about blowing up the world and dying themselves. Uh, this is not an enemy you can deal with. It's not an enemy you can negotiate with. As far as Christopher Ray is concerned, I, I'm surprised by, I haven't read the transcript, so I don't want to go too deep into this. Um, I I think the FBI, uh, based on my own experience with them, is epically corrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
think it is a gigantic problem, but I'm not going to comment further on stuff I haven't read. I, I read the. I think uh, the president is also extremely good at playing coy. And it's something that I've grown to uh, respect about him that in the past I was upset that he couldn't just come out and say something. And I understand that sometimes he does, you know, like he also in the interview, he spoke about his relationship with Xi Jinping and how he has a very good relationship with Xi Jinping and Maria Bartonormo, you know, pushed back on that and and spoke about, you know, well, he, you know, he doesn't think he has he doesn't want you to win. You know, he's going for the other side, like, you know, and 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 it, it's times like those where I realize that President Trump truly does play coy. He doesn't want to say uh, things that could be used as sound clips later on to incite or to uh, uh, detract from what he's trying to do. And I respect that about him. Um, he doesn't show his cards. And he says many times to Maria, I won't I'm not going to talk about that because he doesn't want to give his playbook which is very wise of him to do. Um, so I understand what, what, you, what you mean about that with Christopher Ray. Um, I think on the obvious, maybe Christopher, I'm sure Christopher Ray is a very powerful dude, and he's got immense resources to, to do some pretty nefarious things. But to the common American who's, uh, who's on the spectrum from the center left to the extreme right are unified that Christopher Ray is bad news. And so if you could comment on that also, a little bit well, more on Christopher Well, oh, you're right about Trump. He comes from the world of Manhattan real estate. He's a cutthroat negotiator, and he doesn't show you all of his cards. Mm -hmm. That's kind of smart. Uh, and, and how he really feels about this, I imagine we'll learn in due time. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, there, is a, there is a complete disconnect here. Because those who say Trump is a danger to democracy, they're the people who are seeking to lock up their leading opponent in the coming election. They're the people who seek to censor and cancel people like you and I because mm -hmm. we're on social media or on the Internet and we have a point of view that is contrary to their accepted narrative. They're the ones uh, who are using the 702 database to illegally collect information on American citizens. They're the people who illegally surveilled 178,000 Americans without warrants from any judge. Uh, they're the ones who try to knock Donald Trump off the ballot, but we're the ones who are, who are a threat to democracy. This is, this is right out of Alinsky's playbook. Nobody is that right. stupid. So everything they accuse Trump of doing is precisely what they're doing right now, today, even as we speak. So uh, Russia, uh, Trump is a Russian stooge? No, Biden's a Chinese stooge. Uh, and it's abundantly clear, it's indisputable now, that Joe Biden and Jim Biden and Hunter Biden and other people right. named Biden received millions of dollars from Russia, China, Ukraine, Romania. This is epic corruption. Uh, yet Hunter Biden remains a member of good standing at the bar. And he's allowed to be in contempt of Congress for some reason. I don't understand how the contempt of Congress weighed nothing on the justice system. Yeah, I, I agree. Look, uh, uh, Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro, uh, I think, unwisely refused to uh, testify for the January 6th committee when all they had to do was show up uh, and exercise their Fifth Amendment rights. They would have been well within their rights to do so because mm -hmm. it was a trap. They always just they catch you in some rhetorical error uh, and charge you with some theoretical process crime. Uh, 
I was subpoenaed. I fulfilled my legal obligations. Yes, I pled the fifth, not because I have anything to hide, not because I did anything wrong, but because I had personal experience with their ability to twist your words into a crime. I wasn't putting myself in that position. Now, thumbing your nose at a congressional subpoena, regardless of how unfairly constituted the committee may be, is not wise. But Ben and Navarro were very swiftly referred to the Justice Department. They, the charges were very swiftly charged against them. They very swiftly went to trial. They were both convicted. Uh, they're both appealing. What's going on with Hunter Biden? Exactly. Why a different standard? I mean, I, exactly. I've lived I've lived this uh, again. Well, also, I'm the sure. evidence in the Hunter Biden case was very public. I myself have a copy of Hunter Biden's laptop. It's available for pretty much everybody on the Internet to go download themselves, including all of our foreign intelligence spies that are spying against the United States. I'm sure they all have a copy of Hunter Biden's laptop. So American executive leadership has been exposed globally because if I have it, they certainly have to have it. And in that laptop, there's naked pictures with underage women. There is guns in those situations. There are methamphetamines, crack cocaine, drugs, foreign receipts of money laundering. The evidence is public. So it, like at a specific point in time, we stop speaking about it. I mean, we have to continuously speak about it until it's brought to justice, but the main issue is bringing it to justice. How do we go forward and bring it to justice? Is everything dependent on a presidential election? And as you mentioned in the House, with the, with the I don't even want to call it a bipartisan border bill, but it's, it's maddening to me to think of everything that we've gone through in uh, this, uh, this House with Gates and with McCarthy and then McCarthy stepping down and just the long list of of craziness that it would even be considered by some to even bring forth legislation like that at a time like this, especially when it prioritizes Ukraine first, our border second and Israel third, and that it creates this kind of like priorities of our government. Ukraine war, which is World War Three, endless war with Russia, uh, our border, which is really the appeasement of the American people, which is money that they would squander. It's, it's a vast sum of money that they would squander. And Israel, which is their commitment to foreign aid. So um, it, it, it and and it further pressures, you know, the global conflict in the opening monologue. I spoke about we need to find ways to calm the world down to walk the world back from the edge. What are some suggestions that you have that we can do to be able to bring forth justice to those Hunter Bidens, to those uh, Christopher Rays, uh, to the James Comeys, to the Epsteins, uh, and the clients of the world? What, what is some, the, the corruption is so massive and so great and there has to be something to, that we could do. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I think we have to be realistic. Nothing's going to happen until you have a new executive leadership and a new president and a new attorney general who's actually committed to the rule of law. It's funny to watch all these left-wing talking heads on MSNBC talking endlessly about the rule of law as if they follow it or as if they respect it. It's laughable. Uh, but it is unrealistic to think uh, even now – with a theoretical, extremely thin House majority, 
why are we talking about sending more money to Ukraine? This makes no sense whatsoever. They kept telling us for the last year that Ukraine was kicking the daylights out of the Russians. That's clearly not true. Mm. Uh, we know that half the money or a substantial amount of the money that we're sending there is being stolen. Mm -hmm. uh, and we learned that through FTX. Let's not forget that. That was beyond the scope of corruption. Uh, and we have and we have homeless veterans in this country. We have hungry people in this country. But we're shipping billions to Ukraine. And they're saying the price of any action to to regulate illegal migration on our border is to ship millions of more to Ukraine. This bill is dead on arrival in the U.S. House only because uh, the speaker, even if he wanted to, could round up the votes for him. Uh, I started out liking him. I started out having a, a high expectations. I liked that he was a man of God. I liked that he had been one of the principal defenders of Donald Trump in one of the impeachments. Uh, I liked his voting record. Uh, I don't know that he has uh, got the fortitude to stand up to Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer. Uh, and I, I don't know why we're considering a single penny more for Ukraine. Uh, I just don't think the American people are for that. I actually think that the only thing that the federal government should spend money on at this point is the southern border. It should be done in a week. It should cost whatever it should be done, and it should be cut off in one week. The, if it costs us $100 billion to do it in a week, or if it costs us $50 billion to do it in six months, we should get it done in a week. I don't think our, I don't think the issue is money. The laws already exist. All you to do is enforce the current laws. Basically... What, what directives are you giving to the U.S. Border Patrol, right? Now they're being told to step aside, and that's what they're doing. Right. Or in some cases, they're being told to actually help illegals mm -hmm. into the country. So uh, it is uh, the greatest existential threat. And then uh, beyond that, the impact of this, of this invasion. My own sister's son, my, uh, her only son, my nephew, died of a fentanyl overdose two weeks ago at age 38. Wow, I'm so sorry. Uh, this is that's horrible. My own family. Uh, cities, counties, states uh, are going financially belly up because they, we cannot afford the social services uh, for these illegals. Yet New York City has just approved a, a program to provide $53 million worth of prepaid credit cards to people who are here illegally. Uh, the city, uh, I guess the state of Washington State, uh, is now going to give $1,000 a month to illegals, uh, the people of right. Maui got a one-time payment of six hundred bucks uh, after right. that exactly. incident. So the economic uh, and social mm -hmm. costs of the open border, the crime, the tsunami, right. the drug crisis, uh, the the financial crisis, this is all a manifestation of the problem on our border. Trump right. proved definitively the border can be sealed. Uh, Eisenhower proved that you can deport illegals. He deported 1.3 million, uh, but none of this is going to change. Uh, not equal justice, uh, not really, until you have a new president right. and a new attorney general. And I, I really loved what President Trump said, that upon the, his first action upon coming into office would be to start uh, um, deporting illegal immigrants. Um, I live in a small country town uh, on purpose, kind of like to duck away from society. Uh, that was my response to COVID. Uh, you know, the, I was living in Beverly Hills prior to that, and I, it was so surreal and, and dystopian that I moved out to the countryside. And uh, down the road, there's a train station. Uh, not a train station, train tracks. Train station's much further, but 
there's train tracks. And something that I've just been noticing in the days is that you always see illegal immigrants walking up the train tracks. They're, they are told, follow the train tracks north. They're told to go north. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole by-foot transmigration system that's taking place. And you see it. We have a beautiful river here. We have a lake here. It's like horse properties everywhere. You know, and you see it as you walk down the river. Uh, you see the the uh, immigrants walking up the river, riding bicycles that they found. You know, they they look like exactly like the videos of people who were at the southern border. And this is, you know, several counties north of the southern border. So we see it everywhere. This border crisis is by far the largest problem in the country. Um domestically that I that I, that I see and 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 it's reassuring to people like me to see that also as President Trump's primary uh, concern. I know that they only had 4.5 billion to build whatever wall that they had under the Trump presidency. Um, it's astounding that 250 billion has already gone to Ukraine uh, and we all, and and they were so uptight in the House and Senate to only give President Trump $4.5 billion. They knew in advance that they were going to cause a mass migration wave like was in Europe. So um, so the, that's something. And, and then a third thing that uh, really came about the Maria Bartonoro, uh, uh, Bartonromo uh, interview that I thought was um, this thought of World War III. President Trump thought uh, me mentioned that perhaps a World War III would be, we have to pray that a World War III wouldn't be started before that executive leadership change, um, as that would be their plan. I'm sure you saw the Obama movie, uh, Leave the World Behind. What are your thoughts about the left triggering some sort of World War III or nuclear race to Armageddon and, uh, and President Trump's comments about the need to get to, to the elections and, and, and not be stabbed off by World War III? Uh, entirely possible. Unfortunately, I think those currently in power will do anything necessary, whether it's a new phony pandemic, whether it is a staged uh, terrorist incident on American soil, uh, whether it is a declaration or, or the sparking of a war. Uh, they're prepared to do anything to hold on to power because ultimately I think they realize that their grip on power is slipping. They're, certainly their grip on mass communications and controlling mm -hmm. All communications has slipped badly, and they know that. Uh, I, I think it's entirely possible. Look, uh, our adversaries, whether it's Iran or whether it's China or whether it's Russia, they respect only strength. They don't respect weakness. Uh, they don't respect predictability. And what they have in Joe Biden is total predictability. You can predict right now that whatever he does will be weak. If the Chinese make a move on Taiwan, Joe Biden's response will be a strongly worded letter of protest. I think we all know that. Mm -hmm. uh, this was one of Trump's, uh, I think, key successes is understanding that his own predictability, even if it's seen by our adversaries as being erratic, was an asset. They weren't sure what he was doing. They weren't anxious to test him. And he warned them, if you go into Ukraine, if you go into Taiwan, we're going to hit you hard. Mm -hmm. And they said, you don't mean that. He said, I certainly do. Well, they didn't want to try him out. Uh, and it was very effective in terms of uh, scaring away those who would be aggressive towards us. These people are perfectly capable of uh, starting World War III. 
Jake Sullivan, just based on his involvement in the Russian collusion hoax and the things we learned in, in John Durham's, he should be in jail right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, uh, you know, he's the national security advisor. It's right. a two-tier justice system yet mm-hmm. again. Uh, they're perfectly capable of starting a war. Trump realizes it. As I said earlier, Trump is the peace candidate. We are this close to World War III, which Joe Biden and his administration may stumble us into, or they may begin purposely uh, as an effort to stave off the next election or somehow justify draconian controls over the next election. These people are capable of absolutely anything. So um, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And, and it makes me worried, uh, especially as Trump gains more momentum and more power. Um, it's only like as like as we move forward, it's, it's like, what will they do, especially with the pretext that Trump gave that Iran could have a nuclear bomb in as early as 60 days? All, all, all that being said, the pressure cooker that's going on right now and the amount of uh, hate and vitriol that is being projected towards America abroad, um, it really does require peace through strength. It really does require uh, having America in this leadership role. And for the sake of all people's freedom and liberation movements, that the Constitution has to be the number one source of strength in the entire world. People who aren't even American need the Constitution so that they can rise up and overthrow their oppressors and their oligarchs and tyrants that want to rule and control their lives. Um, uh, as uh, It's such a dark, dark subject, the thought of nuclear war and World War III. I don't even want to go down that path any further. I believe the more we talk about it, the more power we give it, and the more we talk about good things, um, the the more power we give them. So right. I want to shift the conversation slightly right. to some to some really good wins that we had um, in uh, there. Two of them. First, Massachusetts Supreme uh, Judicial Court ruled that Trump cannot be taken off of the ballot. I think that this is such a huge win that we all must celebrate. I'd love your comments on that. It was something that got swept under the rug in the media cycle. Nobody really cared about it. And then also uh, in that question, um, the uh, North Carolina poll that just came out was huge uh, for both Trump being ahead of the crusty old weekend at Joe Biden's and and leaving Nikki Haley in the dust amongst Republican voters. Um, these are two tremendously good pieces of news for our movement. It shows our unity. It shows uh, that there are elements in the justice system that are still purporting and standing by justice. Massachusetts is a very liberal uh, court system, and yet they chose to uh, keep President Trump on the ballot. Your comments on those, please. Sure. Look, this is really simple. Uh, the effort in multiple states to remove Trump from the ballot uh, is, uh, is misguided. You, he's not been convicted of insurrection in any court anywhere. He's not even charged with it. So saying he's guilty of insurrection, that's your opinion. That's the opinion of some person in Colorado. Maybe it's the opinion of the Secretary of State. Who knows? doesn't matter. Uh, Secondarily, the section of the Constitution, Amendment 14, Section 3, specifically does not uh, regard the president and vice president of the United States. There's another flaw. Thirdly, it's not self-executing, which means Congress would have to uh, uh, enact some 
continuing, or I should say, enacting legislation. This, this whole effort is anti-democratic. These people, the Democrats, uh, crew, uh, the, the people behind this effort to remove Trump from the ballot, they hate democracy. They're a threat mm -hmm. to our democracy. They don't even want to have an open election. I don't know any place where, the, where they're attempting to block Joe Biden from the ballot. Now, you could plausibly do so. The Constitution says uh, that impeachment is based on uh, high, uh, act, high crimes and misdemeanors. Well, taking money from Russia and China, in my opinion, is a high crime. And therefore, I could file a complaint in Florida that says he should be removed from the Florida ballot. I'm not doing that. Right. He hasn't been convicted of that, even though mm -hmm. I think personally he's guilty of it. It's, it's the same kind of reasoning we see here. Uh, the decision by the Massachusetts highest court's a little surprising, but they actually made a decision based on the current law. Uh, I'm happy that the Supreme Court has taken this up. Uh, I think that they will ultimately decide for Trump, although I noticed the news analysts at NBC disagree with that. Of course, mm -hmm. uh, who's who is it that's anti-democratic? It's the Democrats right. who are anti-democracy yet again. Mm -hmm. Let me point to another incredible success story, and that's the election yesterday in El Salvador. Right, uh, Bukele, Mazatov. It proves what can be done. So, yes. first of all, massive voter turnout. So this idea that people were disenfranchised or that the result was somehow tainted is entirely false. Uh, Bukele had a 90% approval rating going to the election. That's because he's brought both security uh, and prosperity to his country. This was a crime-ridden financial disaster where it was dangerous to live. The country was essentially run by criminal gangs. He yeah. had 42 years old, winning a narrowly winning election with 54% in the last election, has completely reversed the trajectory of his country, bringing... Uh, peace and security to their communities uh, and economic prosperity right. and opportunity. He, uh, the main and, thing that he did, he jailed every single cr criminal uh, gangster in the country in one night, thus making El Salvador the safest country uh, for anyone listening who doesn't understand what this man actually did in his country. And it showed with resounding success a 90% win for the office of president in five more years. Uh, and record voter participation. So the right. false narrative that he's somehow authoritarian uh, is completely false, or that he suppressed the votes of anyone, which he didn't. Now, Il Ilhan Omar uh, wrote a letter to the State Department demanding that the State Department demand the defunding of the police uh, in El Salvador. Why would you want to do that? To return it to being a crime scene? Uh, it is. She, it's I don't crazy. Know, Given her own admissions that her loyalties to another nation other than the United States, I'm not sure why she's still in Congress. Uh, if some Republican congressman just theoretically said, my real allegiance uh, is to Russia, well, the Democrats would have removed him from the House like that. Right. But she, she's able to say, well, my real allegiance is to Somalia, uh, yet she continues to sit in Congress. It's right. it's. It's Even depressing. though she married her brother to become a citizen, which is an entirely different set of rules that need to start being followed. Um, you know, one of the things I admired most about Donald Trump and I, I, whether Barack Obama was actually born in Kenya or whether he was born in Hawaii, it's so inconsequential at this point in the narrative. But the fact that he was brave enough under such social pressure to, to question it, 
I think that these are laws that need to be upholded, just like Ilhan Omar could not get citizenship by marrying her brother so that she could become a congresswoman in order to pledge her allegiance to Somalia and use the Congress for the Somalian agenda, which somehow is defunding the police in El Salvador and freeing MS-13. We have to understand El Salvador was one of the capitals of MS-13. It, we're not just talking about cartels here. We're talking about, you know, the worst of the worst gangs. And that's who she wants to liberate from prisons with this. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a really a, just yet another example of, of the two-tier justice system. But in all honesty, Bukele shows what can be done in a truly democratic republic. Uh, and uh, if if he can solve the problems of that country, our problems uh, can be solved. MS-13 was the political establishment. They controlled the political establishment. Political parties were affiliated with specific gangs under the previous regimes, how they kept order by brutalizing the people. So, uh, look, I think that's a modern day success story. Uh, the media today will try to spin it like they do against Viktor Orban. Uh, in Hungary, no, he's not authoritarian. He's just saved his country from communists or right. from globalists. Uh, but they 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 endeavor forever to put the black hat on them. There's nothing more enjoyable right now than seeing the mainstream freak out over the idea that my friend Tucker Carlson may be interviewing right. Vladimir. Now, when Oliver Stone, a known leftist who has a very distorted view of history on many subjects, interviewed Putin, some 15 years ago, nobody freaked out and went crazy. Nobody mm. was like, oh, that's interesting. That's journalism. Uh, Tucker Carlson, some have suggested Bill Kristol, who was a uh, neocon, largely responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths in the phony Iraq war, which he was a cheerleader right. for and an architect of when yeah. he worked for That guy's President. a war criminal. Uh, he's suggesting totally. that Tucker Carlson should not even be allowed back yeah, in the Why? For the crime of practicing journalism? Yeah. Yeah, Bill Crystal should be investigated for war crimes. And I really want to you, you you bring up Tucker Carlson going to Russia and that's a great segue to talk about other good news uh that I wanted to talk about um which like I said when we focus on good news things become better and when we talk amongst things that are related only to ourselves it also becomes better because we're not giving evil power our speech talking about what they want us to talk about. Um, another thing that came out of the Maria Bartiromo uh, interview was that uh, the VP picks. Now, I think it's safe to say that Tim Scott and Christy Nome were kind of like those coy cards that Trump's holding. He said those names so the media will go crazy and be like, is it Tim Scott? Is it Christy Nome? That Those are two people for sure not the VP. As Tucker's going to Vladimir Putin, that's who I want as my VP. That when I saw when those type of uh, um, rumors started floating around on the internet, Tucker Carlson for VP, that to me is like the out of the. It's out of the um, the establishment so hardcore that it a protects Trump from any sort of potential assassination or something like that. But B, it really shows the American people where his intentions would be on a VP. I want your comments on Tucker as VP, possibly VP, and also 
uh, Tucker going to Putin, how this may uh, save the world, lighten the tensions of the earth. There's only a specific amount of time in an interview, but I'm sure there's going to be conversations outside of that. I trust Tucker implicitly um, in some ways, even more than President Trump, um, even though I, 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 I'm you know, so grateful that we have President Trump. What are your thoughts on Tucker Carlson becoming a VP? And if it's not going to be a Tucker Carlson, what are your thoughts? Because it's clearly not Christy Noem and it's clearly not Tim Scott. Well, first of all, obviously, in a perfect world, I would love the idea of Tucker Carlson. He's both a candidate for vice president and the actual vice president. Although I actually, frankly, think that he has more power today than he would have in that ancillary, secondary position. Secondarily, I think it is, uh, uh, and I get the impression from Tucker, uh, while he doesn't seek it and he's not really interested in it, if the president really asked him to do it, I think he would do his duty to the country and he would Mm -hmm. serve. Although I think he believes it is unlikely, and I also think it is unlikely. Uh, Former President Richard Nixon once told me that in selecting a vice presidential running mate, don't try to find someone who will help you. Just try to find someone who doesn't hurt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may be a, a little cynical, but overall, you need someone who first and foremost has the qualifications, the experience, with, the judgment, the temperament to actually be president. With that Second, logic, you could get a Mike Pence. Well, you think yeah. he's not going to hurt you, but then he hurts you really bad. Yes, but didn't hurt us in, in either election, in all honesty. Secondarily, uh, so you need someone who has the qualifications, but you also need someone who's committed to your agenda, to the same agenda, so that if, God forbid, something happened to Trump and he couldn't fill out his term, for whatever reason, the person who has in the number two position uh, is not part of a balancing act and shares a different philosophy, but is uh, is committed to the America First uh, MAGA agenda. At the same time, you want someone who hopefully reaches out to some constituency where you need to gain ground, mm-hmm. which would mean, you know, somebody was uh, African-American or Hispanic or someone with a specific appeal to millennials. I mean, I, I was, my, my thoughts are a little unformed on this. You need someone who doesn't uh, offend your base or de-energize your base, but also helps you reach beyond the base. Is it easy? No, it's not easy to pick the right person. I trust Donald Trump at the end of the day. I agree with what you're saying. Throwing out two names like catnip means that neither one of them is likely to be selected. Uh, If the president has a short list, it's known only to him. He hasn't shared it with me. Beyond that, I'm not prepared to share any discussions I've had on this topic. I think that uh, he has to maintain his flexibility for a couple of reasons. First of all, this ongoing contest with Nikki Haley who shot herself in the foot today by endorsing the open borders, Schumer, Langford uh, atrocity that they call a border protection bill. Uh, we have to see how that ultimately plays out. Not that he would take Haley, because he wouldn't, but to see whether there are uh, lasting wounds in the party that he needs to fix. Uh, secondarily, we don't know who the Democrats are going to be. I'm sorry, I stick to my previous prediction that the democratic establishment, the cabal, uh, the media democratic cabal realize increasingly that Joe Biden cannot be helped, that he's a disaster. He's a disaster policy-wise. He's a disaster based on his epic corruption that's now been proven. He's a disaster based on his inability to perform as a candidate, to form a coherent sentence, to make any sense. 
but they right. equally know that Kamala Harris uh, is a doomed candidate, that she cannot lead the party to victory. So uh, I still she believe... She pulls even less than he does. Right, and she doesn't have senile dementia, and she mm-hmm. makes less sense than he does. So um, the way their convention works is somewhat different than the way the Republican National Convention works. They have much greater flexibility because of the superdelegates, and therefore I could still see a scenario by which Joe Biden uh, and Kamala Harris rack up enough delegates to be renominated, but that Biden, days before the convention, announces for reasons of his health uh, that he won't accept the nomination, releases his delegates, and lets the convention work its will, in which case I believe the convention would insist on, would demand upon, uh, would prevail upon, would draft Michelle Obama, who will say, oh, no, I'm not interested. No, no, I don't want to do it. No, I can't possibly do it. All right, I'll do it. That's what will happen. I stick by my prediction. I believe I will be proven correct. So actually, you spoke about this on the last time you were on the show and maybe even the time before that as well. I I do believe you are the first person in America to have come out and say that you believe the Democratic candidate will be Michelle Obama. And uh, it makes a lot of logical sense, especially because Gavin Newsom pulls so horribly the the debate between Sean that Sean Hannity Uh, moderated between uh, Ron DeSantis and uh, 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 Governor Newsom was hardly seen. It had the worst ratings. Nobody cared. And he got absolutely destroyed. And the state is a mess and in shambles. Uh, Very uh, weak borders has the potential to be taken over by China, even, uh, especially in San Francisco um, with Governor Newsom. So they polled so unfavorably. And yes, you did say this about Michelle Obama, that she would make the most sense because it is really Biden is really the puppet for Obama. When Obama comes to the White House, you see everybody run to give him high five and you see Biden trailing behind him all the time. It does seem like the Obamas are still in power and it would make sense that Obama would want a more public face to secure his power than Joe Biden and therefore uh, would want a Michelle Obama. And the strategy that you mentioned, it's important that anyone who sees this video should clip and share this segment because it needs to get out there because that's a further prediction on the part of Roger Stone that uh, the way about they will bring Michelle Obama to power will be through their convention at the last minute. Now, I don't know if you saw the James O'Keefe bust on the chief... Um, the chief cybersecurity strategist at the, uh, 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 at the White House, but in it there was an entire segment about Michelle Obama becoming president. O'Keefe asks him about Michelle Obama, and the person goes into great detail about how Michelle Obama always goes around talking about how she doesn't want to be president. So there must be, my logical intel brain thinks, there must have been conversations prior to where Michelle Obama has been pressured either by her husband or by, you know, the public at will to comment freely in the public sphere, whether at a, a banquet or a, an office brunch or whatever type of involvement and say comments like, no, 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 I don't want to be president. That's not something I want to kind of le- give this image like, I'll do it for the sake of the party. I'll do it because we need to have a hero and save the Democrats, kind of some last ditch Hail Mary effort. And I, and, and I actually have been wondering how this plays itself out with her becoming the nominee, as you mentioned, God, maybe half a year ago, 
or or longer and now i could see that is exactly the only path forward for a michelle obama to acquire the nomination at this point yes so uh, just to be to wrap this up because unfortunately i have to move along it's been a great privilege to be back on with you adam uh she's going to be drafted she's not going to run for president she's going to be drafted for president uh and the party will turn to her and she will reluctantly uh, agree uh, and those who don't think she's a formidable candidate i think are sadly mistaken she she is uh, among the most uh, admired non-political figures in the country, particularly among women. Uh, she'll be a very tough competitor, but I, I stick to my prediction. Uh, and you're right. One of the first places I made it was right here on the Adam King Show. So um, I understand you, you uh, we're wrapping up and closing up on this hour segment. There's so many questions that I didn't get to ask you. And I would love for you to be able to come back again and ask that. I'm going to go over the list of questions just so the viewer audience knows what is an important thing uh, that pertains to Trump and pertains to uh, all things? Because this episode is all things Trump, Trump, Trump. So um, we didn't get to talk about uh, the border showdown. I really wanted to go down there with you, talk about the different things happening with the governors. Um, I really wanted to go through the Gene Carroll Looney bin with you uh, and talk about some of the outlandish outrageous comments that she made on Rachel Maddow, on Anderson Cooper, uh, you know, and, and, and this judgment. Uh, we're not going to get there. I also wanted to talk about Reed Hoffman with you uh, and uh, his role in kind of financing all of this tyranny as kind of like a, a, a George Soros beta. Um, we didn't get to talk about the Adult Survivors Act. We didn't get to talk about purging the deep state. Uh, Victor David Hansen made some comments I wanted to ask you about. And ironically, I wanted to ask you about Trump's Ark of the Covenant. I saw he has an Ark of the Covenant, a model Ark of the Covenant. I know there was a series of them made. It kind of put uh, more uh, uh, a steer to him. I was so shocked that he had such a possession. It, it really says a lot about him as a person. And most importantly, which I wanted to talk about in the very beginning of the show, but I didn't have the opportunity to was I bought your book, The Bush Crime Family. I read it. It's unbelievable. And I want to go understand. I truly want to talk to you. You came on, um, what is it, the valuetainment show you did where uh, you talked about the Bush Crime Family? The Usual Suspects? Uh, yeah, it, the was, it, it, it was that show. And uh, that got me thinking about it. Nobody in the mainstream. And it's an older book, too, which is quite amazing that it's not out there as much as it is. But I wanted your... Uh, 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 to get your take on the book. And I wanted to ask you some things in the book. So we're going to have to have you back on the show because uh, Roger Stone is not just infamous. He's also famous, you know, and he's famous for good things like his books, like his public speaking, like his unwavering activism and loyal to our country. So I want to thank you for coming on the Adam King show today, Roger. You're always a wonderful guest. And uh, I look forward to the next Coming, it seems like every day now something new is happening with Trump. But before we say goodbye, I want to ask you for some closing words uh, to our viewer audience, uh, uh, some wisdom, uh, a lesson, something about the future. Give us some hope to carry forward as we leave this segment with you today. Sure, Adam. There's so much to talk about. We could be here for three hours. As you know, it would still be interesting. Folks can follow me by going to stonezone.com. You can see my uh, daily 
show, uh, Stone Zone there. You can also listen to my WABC radio show there. You can also buy uh, all of my products, including my book on the Kennedy assassination, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ, my Roger Stone Did Nothing Wrong t-shirts, uh, The Bush Crime Family, uh, my book on the uh, Clintons, The Clintons' War on Women, all available at StoneZone.com. Here's my final comment, Adam, and that is we must never quit. This is an epic struggle between dark and light, between evil and good, between the godless and the godly. Uh, and the, should we fail, America will step off into a thousand years of darkness. Uh, I am uh, uh, actually optimistic, despite uh, the uh, incredible power of those arrayed against us. In the Bible, God's troops are always overwhelmingly outnumbered, but they're also always victorious. So based on that model, I have uh, great optimism about the future. I also know and respect the enormous strength and courage of Donald Trump, and I think he will lead us and the country to victory. Thank you very much, Adam, and God bless you. God bless you too, Roger, and God bless you, our viewer, listener, audience. Stay tuned, and we will be back with another edition of The Adam King Show. Shalom, everybody. Peace.